0: start to read it podcast focus on the soul Welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast, presented by CelticsLife.com. My name is Ben Ballas. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Also joining us tonight, Jackson, a.k.a. Rickman Lives. Jackson, how have you been, man? I've been well. It's nice to be back. I wish it was under better circumstances, but uh, yeah, good, Good. thank you. <laughs> it's great time. Uh, yeah, it's back. good to have you back. Thank you. It's good to have you back. I mean, you picked a, a good two-week stretch to to be away from the podcast because it's been it's been pretty uh-huh. dreary around here, but hopefully your return will also mean the return of, of good vibes and good uh, on-court playing time. For the I'm, back and, I'm back in those. I'm back an <laughs> I'm glad. And of course, we've got our boots on the ground in the USA there. It's Larbird33. Welcome back, sir. How's things? Good.
1: Not bad. How are you doing?
0: Uh can't complain. i well, I can't complain. I will complain. That's Quite what no this way. podcast yeah. is partially about. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty to get to tonight. The Celtics obviously struggling at the moment. Who's to blame? What to expect through the second half of the season. We'll have that conversation again, plus Tatum and Brown are all-stars, and the Celtics Reddit recap coming up to round this one off. But first, LaBird33. The Celts came out looking sharp tonight. I thought that the Jays had their sort of all-star air to them. Then they just kind of pissed the game away. (laughs) What happened tonight? Uh, we we pissed the game away. <laughs> All right. Zach, right. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> Good night, folks. How did they piss the game away? <laughs> I
1: thought there is... I still think there's some encouraging signs. Um, I, You know, Kemba Walker, he actually had some big plays down the stretch. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, if you look at his, his play over the last six games or so, even if you include that game where you went one for 12 from three, which was terrible against the Pelicans... His uh, his stats are pretty much the same as they were last year. I mean, he's averaging about twenty-one points, forty-two percent shooting, thirty-six percent from three. It's it's roughly the same. He seems to be improving, so that's a positive sign. The Jays are stars. But yeah, I mean, both of these games, uh, you know, disappointing. We obviously blew a huge one against the Pelicans. Um, this one was a little more close. I feel like this could have gone either way. Uh, you know, our record's pretty much the same as Dallas, so I didn't, I didn't really take this too personally, but um, yeah, I mean, obviously, things aren't going great right now.
2: It was a weird moment because I remember watching um, in the bubble that that game against uh, the, the Mavs had against the the Clippers. And when he hit that shot, I, I went absolutely wild. I was like, oh, my God, that's like one of the most best things I've ever seen. Well, <laughs> he actually hit a fucking identical shot. <laughs> like the same circumstances again. And two of sucked. them, basically. And it, yeah, two of them. Um, it, it just goes to show just just how like generational and just awesome Luka Doncic is. And I, you can't hate on you know, things like that. If it was like, you know, playing like James Harden, not to call anyone out, but like, you know, just, 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 you know, in a way that, you know, is not, you know, aesthetically pleasing, i would be way more upset, but now you can't do anything about that. It was, it was good, but um, yeah, pissing games away. That's been a bit of a theme lately. We, um, we tried real hard to do it against Atlanta the, the second time. Uh, we successfully managed to do it. Um, against the Pelicans in, in some tremendous fashion. But um, I don't know if we, like, pissed the game away this evening. Um, You know, I, I felt like it was more or less a foregone... Like, it, it was following form, basically, in the fourth quarter, you know, just not being able to execute. And it was like, here we go again. But lo and behold, we got ourselves back into it. And then we just, you know, lost to a little bit of, um, you know, magic. So um, it still yeah. sucks. Sucks a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, we had a good final three four minutes or whatever it was but the, the point is we had already pissed the game away by that point in, in my opinion uh but lot bird it's interesting what you're saying about Campbell walker because i kind of walked away from this one thinking well Kemble walker it was terrible and like if you just try and think back to the game and sort of the, the memories that sort of flash into your mind it's Campbell walker breaking a lot of shots but you know looking at his stats here eight for nineteen so forty two percent four of eleven from three and a plus nine overall like that's not it's not that bad. And yeah, he he did have that really good stretch at the beginning of the fourth quarter that kind of brought the Seas back into this game after a pretty terrible third quarter. Um, it's so hard with Campbell Walker. I, I really find myself seesawing on my uh, like overall perception of him and his longevity in this team and can we or can't we win without him? I think a lot of the fan base, obviously, are also very divided on him as well. I'm just curious, you know, because the... The data that we have to look back on and how we formulate these opinions of Kemba Walker change frequently. There's games every every day or every second day. La Bird, you kind of offered your thoughts there, Jackson. I'm curious to hear what you think. We haven't had you on in a couple of weeks. How are you feeling about Kemba Walker as sort of a, a long term? And when I say long term, I mean sort of one to three years or so with this team. What are your thoughts on Kemba it, in general? It's
2: been a bit of a roller coaster as of late because you know he came back from the injury and he definitely looked a shell of the, of the player that we you know needed him um, to be. Um, but you know, you found he was getting better. He was improving. You know, it was a funny moment against the, um, the Atlanta game when we were in the midst of a, of, a, of, um, giving up that lead or almost giving up that lead, I should say. And Camber came back on and all of a sudden I just felt calm again. I just felt like, okay, cool. Like he's back. You know, these things are going to be okay now. And lo and behold, you know, it, it did uh, get better. So that was a positive sign. Um, I feel he's probably getting a little bit more of the scapegoat treatment. Um, and and that's you know at bottom that's unfair. But at the same time, I mean, I mean, on the overall, like you, you think about what you want to see from this team, and you know, like Jalen Brown's been delivering. Jason Tatum doesn't feel like he's been delivering, but you look at his numbers, and he, he's been he's been enormous. Um, so Kemba, you, you expect to have like a similar level of production, and even though the numbers kind of you know suggest that he is. You just feel like it's not. It's he's still not where he needs to be. So as far as like long term is concerned. Um, I think, you know, the, the his health is going to deteriorate or is going to become less reliable, probably to be more optimistic, you know, as the, the years go on. And, um, if, the, if there's a trade to be made, if someone would take him off our hands, then I think, you know, that would be the, the, the popular consensus, but, um, he's still got a At lot. I morning. still feel yeah. like, yeah, I still feel like he's got something to offer this team. And, you know, and he, I thought he was pretty good in the playoffs too. So I don't think it's, it's time to, to throw him out, but, um, I feel he's getting a little bit of scapegoat uh, treatment now that Jeff T has been banished to the to the the shadow realm of the of the DMP list. So somebody's going to take the blame. So I feel like Kemba gets that probably based on his salary more than anything else. But still,
0: yeah. Now La Bird, I know you are kind of on the other side of the fence. Where you you know I've seen you posting on Reddit. We obviously have our Slack chat as well. Where you're like, he'll come around. He's shaking rust off. How how long? Are you gonna give him to shake off this rust? And at what point do you start to, you know, turn the corner in in terms of your idea of of Kemba Walker's ability to have a a positive impact on this team?
1: So I feel like we're gonna be covering some similar ground that we've kind of talked about in, in previous episodes, but with me, I think you have to really separate there's two things. Like I I am I've been in support of trading Kemba even before I found out about the knee injury, just just because of how he fits. Alongside the Jays I, I mean the short version is I think we We brought him in to fill the role That Kyrie had As our number one scorer And then once Tatum and Brown Took a, a leap We didn't necessarily need that anymore We need someone who complements them So from that standpoint Anyone who wants to like Come up with trade ideas or, or say that we need to trade him For you know Someone who positionally fits better As like a, you know Another wing who can spread the floor And play solid defense Totally support that It makes sense to me It's nothing personal against Kemba I just think it makes sense But then there's the other side where there's people who and I do disagree with this, which which is the the folks that say he's like he's washed up, he's done, he's he's toast, you know, he's you know he'll never get back to where he was before. I just don't agree with that. Um, And I think part of it, honestly, is I feel like people are it's hard, you know, no offense to Kemba, but I feel like people are overrating what he actually ever was. You know, his his season before he even came to Boston, like they have this vision of him as being this superstar player. He averaged like 26 points, but he did it. Fairly inefficiently, forty-two percent from the field, or actually forty-three, and you know thirty-six percent from three. Too. On a bad team that was under five hundred. I mean, he wasn't a great, great player. He was a good player, you know, a f- fringe star player, a low-level all-star. And then last year, I mean, if we're comparing him to last year, I mean, let's compare him to last year. Last year, he he started his first month of the season shooting under forty percent. Uh, that continued on into uh, December, where he shot around forty-one percent. Uh, he did eventually kind of get in a groove for a couple months, and then he kind of fell off a cliff. You know, whether it was because of his knee or what, but I mean, his his uh, post. I'm pulled up real quick here. His post All Star stats. Averaged 14 points. <laughs> he averaged 14 yes. points on less than 40% shooting, 33% from three. He's been kind of not great for a while. So, yeah, he, he showed up um, this season coming off a, a treatment uh, to get some stem cell injection into his knee. Supposedly, he's no longer in pain. Obviously, he showed up and he was uh, a shell of himself as he was working himself back into shape. But, you know, look at his, his play over the last six games and it's it's roughly the same as Kemba's has always been and I know people are going to say you know if you look at his stats and uh, attacking the basket is 2% you know shots at the hoop they might not be as great but I mean overall I mean he's he's still he's still Kemba right now if you just look at the last 6 games uh I am going to pull up the stats real quick right here last 6 games uh 21 points uh 3.8 rebounds last year 20 points 3.9 rebounds uh, shooting percentages last year, he was forty-two point five percent. Last six game, forty-two point four percent, and his three point shooting is actually even better over the last six games. In spite of that terrible, terrible one for twelve performance, he was actually shooting forty point seven percent over the last uh, last six games. So, I mean, he's he's roughly the same. I think that it still goes back to the original argument though, which is that as a as a positional need, I don't know if he's really ideal. Like his assists have gone down. Because now we have guys like Tatum and Brown, who are actually trending upwards in, in their assists. Tatum's averaged nearly six assists over the whole month, and Brown over his last five games has averaged over six assists. These are now our guys. These are the guys that should have the ball in their hands. They're the guys who are creating for everyone. And then you have Kemba, who's kind of filling this like third uh, third man, like you know, off the ball type of guy. And that's just not who I think we need. So, yeah, long long talk there, but that's that's my take
0: mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I understand the sentiment of like, yeah, maybe we're we're tracking back on some stuff that we've already discussed in prior podcasts, but like it's still a pressing issue. It's still a current affair, if you will. Like, Campbell Walker is kind of this uh polarizing figure, and that we pay him so much money and he's not really, you know, getting it done. But you're right. Like, he he is statistically what he has always been. You actually had a, you had a pretty good post on this, like, uh, on Reddit a day or two ago. Titled Kemba is Kemba, and is, you know, and basically saying exactly that, that he is who he has always been. And there was a user, Hanrahans, who wrote, um, what made Kemba such a valuable player was his efficiency in the pick and roll. Uh, he can't pressure the rim the same way he could before, so he doesn't generate the same kind of spacing and passing lanes that he used to which is interesting. And then, you know, I recommend checking out that post by Larbird and reading the full reply by O'Hanorans there, but lists the uh, percentile ranks of pick and roll in the last five seasons for, for Kemba Walker there. And you can obviously see that that, that percentile rank uh, drops off in the last few seasons or so. So I think that's another interesting way of looking at, you know, maybe the drop off for Kemba Walker. Yes, you know, generally speaking, he is the same Kemba that he's always been, but there are parts of his game that are maybe starting to peel away a little bit. Does that sound fair? Yeah, I think it's fair, and
1: I also think that if you if you look at any stats of him, you know, going back to what I just said, where his post All Star stats last season were pretty bad. I mean that it directly coincides with the the rise of Tatum and the rise of Brown. So I mean, as those guys take a larger role, his stats are going to take a dive. But yeah, I mean he is he's thirty right now. He's he's regression. You know, he's regressing maybe a little bit, and he's still I think kind of working himself back into into game shape. But people who want to just give him away for nothing i mean that's going to be <laughs> it's going to be a similar thing where you know you, Kyrie walks and he's now putting up freaking mvp level stats in brooklyn and now mm. Hayward's putting up star stats in charlotte all the guys we were like you know we don't want him to trash they end up putting up big stats uh yeah, in yeah. their one yeah. <laughs> i feel like i feel like it's going to be the same thing if we if we let Kembo just go for nothing we're going to be like goddamn he made it an all-star team like i would not be surprised to see that happen if he made an all-star team
0: yeah, it's interesting. I, I have previously said on the show that I think the optics of trading Kemba would be bad. Now, I think that he's clearly and kind of uh, reiterating what you guys have just said, that he's so clearly not a good fit for this team that I think a, a trade, you know, the optics are, are less bad in that sense, because I think sort of league-wide and NBA community-wide, it's almost like a semi-obvious move for the Celtics to make. Like, we tried, we love you, Kemba. Our guys love you. It's not working. It makes sense to move you. Like I do think that it does kind of what we've seen over the last, you know, you know, 14 games or whatever since kemper has been back, it does open us up to a more of a frictionless trade scenario. Um but getting getting to the Celtics sort of more overall, and we went off on this Kemper tangent. We always tend to do it. Um, but <laughs> it is important. But looking at the Celtics as a whole, you know, it's fair to say that they have been struggling at both ends. I want to start with the defense here. Jackson we haven't heard from you in a couple of weeks. Defensively, what do you see as the as the major issues for the Celtics?
2: Well, the easy answer, and I'm going to give the easy answer because I'm like that. Uh, we don't have Marcus Smart. <laughs> we don't have Marcus Smart. I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, at least one or two of the games that we've dropped over the last couple of weeks don't get dropped without Marcus Smart available. Um, so that can't be understated. But I think. You know, the fact that we're now sub 500 and we've been hovering around 500 for, you know, the better part of, you know, about a month uh, now, um, I think it's just indicative of having a young, inconsistent team, you know what I mean? Like there are some nights where we look, you know, very competent, uh, you know, particularly on on the offensive end. There's not a significant jump on the defensive end that makes you think, oh yeah, they can do it on both nights. But you know, sometimes the offense bails us out, and I think that just at the end of the day comes down to having a young team that just can't perform night in night out. You know, Brown and Tatum can only do you know so much, and you know, you know, our our, our, we can't defend threes. We can't you know really defend that well in the paint. You know, uh, the the shot blocking thing still hasn't particularly been answered, except for when Robert Williams is on the floor. But that's you know probably a whole argument altogether. so yeah, I, I think I think the defense is just really indicative of having a young team that's that's inconsistent. Um and also Marcus Smart being out. I think those two together, you know, play a, a huge factor.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with what Jackson said. Uh, Marcus Smart, obviously if he had been playing over the last couple of games, <laughs> that would have been a different story entirely, I think. Um, you know, maybe maybe Marcus would have went one for thirty from three, we shot us out of the game. Mm-hmm. But I think in general, having Marcus Smart out there is a big improvement over some of the guys we're playing minutes to. So yeah, it could have been totally different. Um, yeah, and and in general, I just think what you're saying is totally right, Jackson. I think we we lack we lack depth. I think having Gordon Hayward last season during the regular season was was huge for us, and we don't have that anymore. And you know, I try to th- I've been trying to think about this this thing that I kind of talked about. Uh, Last week, where it's like you know, if you actually look at our roster that made a run to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, we still have all those guys. So why are we struggling right now? And beyond just like our rotations and like who we're you know, throwing minutes to guys like Neesmith who I think is a, I think it's a positive. I think the other thing is just that in the playoffs you can play, you can play Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum forty plus minutes a night, and we probably will. I mean, everyone gets a big boost in their, in their minutes when it counts, but you don't want to burn them out right now. So. Yeah, you're going to play them a normal amount of minutes in a regular season, and that means you have to give minutes to someone like Grant Williams tonight, who didn't do so well. Uh, It hurts. So, yeah, I mean, I really do think that we have to do something um, at the trade deadline to, you know, even if it's just like, you know, if you add Marcus Smart, that's going to help. And then even if you just like play out the uh, the buyout market and and get some veteran that can help a little bit off the bench, it would be a big improvement. Um, Mm -hmm. Because right now, like we're, we're it's relying on minutes the guys aren't ready um and it's stuff it's, it's not working but at the same time seeing great progress from people like Robert Williams I mean I love seeing that I mean he's been one of the bright spots and I actually want to see him get more minutes
0: yeah yeah great individual progress you know particularly for, for Aaron Neesmith but it, going back to the defense it, it is a concern that two of our sixth seventh and eighth men off the bench are rookies and you know they're, they're pretty good like def- um Neesmith has been quite good defensively. Peyton Pritchard has been pretty good all round, but they're rookies and you have to allow them more room for error. And there have been games, unfortunately, where they haven't been as impactful as perhaps we would have liked them to have been. You know, Marcus Smart, you add him to either that small group of people coming off the bench or add them to the starting lineup and and suddenly someone in our starting lineup goes back to the bench and they're one of the first off the bench just that one addition back to our overall rotation would make such a difference and then getting back to the perimeter defense like today Jalen Brown like we're trapping Luca occasionally but also there's a lot of like Luca just getting to the rim particularly in the second quarter uh without us stopping the ball at all uh, he, he blew by Jalen Brown a number of times, which is odd because while there's been some knocks on Jalen Brown's ability to be a good team defender, he's typically a very good one-on-one defender. And, you know, one point, Hardaway Jr. blew by Tatum for a dunk in the second quarter, the second quarter rather, and it, it does to some extent seem effort-related because, like Bird, you mentioned, we do have a lot of the same personnel that we had in our playoff run last year, but that we just don't have the same, like, you know pizzazz for lack of a better term and i think marcus smart just his presence alone um, plays a lot into into that in our intensity there brad stevens had a quote after the game he said we're not as good defensively as we have been in the last few years i think we've improved in that area so far this season but i still don't think that we where where you want to be if you want to be good which i think is accurate and it's kind of i don't know about you guys but it's kinda of typical of Brad Stevens. Don't you think? Like his post game comments have become increasingly frustrating. Like he's almost like a politician in that he says things without really saying anything. And at this point where well, you just want answers, like you kinda of wanted to be like, Well, we fucked up. We don't know what we're doing. We've got a long way to go. Got a lot of young guys who don't know what the fuck they're doing. You know, I don't I don't know what to tell you guys. Like you kinda of want that honesty and, and instead you're getting these sort of polished media trained answers from Brad Stevens. And they feel kind of repetitive and uninformative at this point. I don't know. Anything on on Brad Stevens there? Uh, I,
2: I think that's just like indicative of, of coaches of certain kinds of personalities and whatnot. Like Bill Belichick's been, you know, is an obvious example, you know, you could draw parallels with, but um, he's just, um, you know, when you see him frustrated and yelling at the officials on the bench, you know, you kind of, you get a little rise out of it because, you know, it's, 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 it's not typical of uh, the kind of guy that he is. And, this is a big test for him too, because I mean, if you think about I'd say you have to go back to, I mean, okay, let's, let, let's kind of gloss over the, um, the 18, 19 season, because I, I don't think you can put that on here. I mean, I obviously played some role, but we really haven't been like a disappointing underperforming team, probably going back to the first half of what the 13, 14, no, the 14, 15 season where we started off badly. And then we went on this really big run and we ended up sneaking into the playoffs. So we haven't been out of the playoffs since then. I'm getting better and better and better. So you know that 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 one you know horrible Kyrie year and Gordon Hayward recovery year aside, um, there hasn't really ever been too much of like a regression from this team. And now we're seeing it, but I don't think that's his fault. You know, I think again it's the scapegoat mentality. You know, Jeff Teague's garbage and he's shit, and I can't say blah, blah blah. He's not playing anymore. <laughs> oh, well, Ken was shit. Blah blah. Well, he's not actually that shit. Mean, Brad Stevens is shit. Um, it's reactionary for the most part because I think it's to ignore everything he's done with his team so far would be would be silly. But um, I, I think I know you asked me about his, his reactions to the media, and I'm gone to speak tangent here. But I think the, the point I'm just the point I'm just trying to get at is this is a big you know test for him to like kind of steer us out of some adversity with some young guys. You know, we've gone from being you know seeing as like one of the favorites, we're now slipping back into I guess like the, the unfancy team. So I wonder if his underdog mentality might bring something out of him. But until we can really get some form going, or we can get some consistency, I think we're going to continue to get these like these stoic, you know, unemotional perform um, responses from him. Because you know, a that's who he is. But B, he, he, he's obviously got the shits. <laughs> he's obviously not happy with what he sees. So, and this is just how he expresses it. I think.
1: Yeah, I think I'd probably echo a lot of what you just said, Jackson. I mean, it's important to remember that these last two games could have easily gone in our direction, and then That's maybe true. The, yeah. the tone of the tone of this whole conversation might be a little bit different. We, you know, we're still not probably saying we're on the way to a championship. We would be so doom and gloom. So, I mean, putting that aside, I, I do think that um, it, it is it is a personnel thing right now. I mean, I don't think it's really on the coach as much as it is just balancing the team that is. Dealing with injuries and, and, and not having any um, consistent um, veteran lineups he can go to quite yet and playing Minnesota young guys, I mean, he's just kind of have to, I mean, I, I don't know what, what uh, positivity would come from him being a full Phil Jackson right now and just calling out his, his players. But I do think you're probably right that a little bit of that is, is effort. I mean, it, it, it is effort, but I think a lot of that's um, it's like a mental thing. It's just like the, when you when you start losing games it's hard to get two up for this so i I, you know maybe 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 mark smart comes back and injects a bit of uh you know a bit of energy into everything and we start playing better or maybe the team makes some kind of move to shake it up but i feel like we need some kind of catalyst to to get us going because right now i mean they must just be thinking eh, we're under 500 we keep losing these close games and it must just kind of get in their own heads
0: yeah no i agree Look, we can talk about the state of the team for another hour. That's what we did last week. That's what we did the week before. It, it seems like, for now at least, that the state of the team has stagnated and we are what we are and we're roughly a 500 team. Let's get to a few moments of the of the game today, or tonight rather, if you're in the States, for the Mavs game. Uh, I've got a couple of misc notes here. So at one point... It was 65-60 in the third quarter, I believe, for what felt like a million possessions. And the Celtics could just not capitalize. I feel like this is a real moment where they, they kind of gave the game away. And I think the Mavs missed um, sort of 9 of 11 shots during that stretch. Uh, well, it remained 65-60, so they missed all of their shots during that stretch. Uh, and the Celtics could just not capitalize on all of those stops and get ahead by even sort of seven, eight, nine, ten 10 points. I think if they had capitalized at that point and even been able to get one or two buckets during that stretch, the game would have turned out completely differently. Um, that was a really frustrating point of the game for me. Any other standout moments from this game in particular for you guys today? It just seemed like a classic <laughs> classic recent game of ours where Tatum and Brown are
1: great. Uh, Kembo's all right. Nobody else really steps up. We get some decent minutes, I guess, from, from Thompson. Some are bigs, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it just seemed like a, another another one of those games where we're we're just lacking something, something to push this over to edge. Uh, only real major comment I'll say is that I think it's easy to compare this to a couple seasons ago, but. As far as I see, I don't. The, the big difference is two seasons ago, we had a disgruntled Kyrie Irving. We had a disgruntled Terry Rozier, We had Jalen Brown unhappy of his role. Gordon Hayward, obviously, not too happy with his role. Uh, everyone seemed to be not getting along so well. Marcus Morris, Marcus, uh, uh, Marcus Smart were both kind of yelling at jalen brown and possessions i mean it it just seemed like a a chemistry thing that was beyond just like not winning games but this team right now i don't really see that i do see guys that for the most part seem to get along um you know they're probably not too happy about winning but it doesn't seem like we're in the midst of some massive meltdown i just think that there if we get some kind of catalyst or we make some trade or or something happens we could go on a freaking 10 game winning streak it wouldn't wouldn't shock me i mean I, i think that's in the cards
0: yeah, I mean that that's all it would take. Um Tristan Thompson, you mentioned up the top there, Larbert. I thought he was sneaky I mean, not really sneaky at all. He was very assertively good today. Uh very, very aggressive, particularly on the offensive boards. Um, I saw a lot of complaints on, on Reddit and Twitter, you know, during that stretch, I think it was in the um sort of middle of the second quarter, that he was being too aggressive. But like at, at one stage there he was kind of the only one making an impact on the game for the Celtics and I don't know, kind of coming around on Tristan Thompson a little bit, if not as an impact piece for this team, like at least, okay, he's showing something. We talk about showcase season all the time. Like maybe he's kind of tradable now, like at least he's something as opposed to just a complete net negative who's hard cupping our team. I was very impressed with him. Uh, Also, the air ball shot that Tatum clearly touched at the end of the game there. As it was going out of bounds, like you could tell live, I was watching on my phone while at work. You could tell that he touched the ball. Like, and then he's acting like he didn't touch the ball, and they go to replay and like immediately determine that he did. And the whole thing was silly. I felt embarrassed for him. And, you know, it kind of like if he just either grabbed the ball or didn't touch it, then the game goes potentially a completely different way. I don't know. Just speaking of moments from this game, that, that, that irked me and uh made it harder to digest. It was already frustrating. And then you know, that happened. And, um, I'm not going to sleep tonight. I don't know. <laughs> any, <laughs> any thoughts on that, Jackson? <laughs> sorry, <help> you, buddy.
2: <laughs> <I'm> sorry.
0: <laughs> uh, all right. Well, look. I mean, we could we could talk um, about all the the terrible things about the Mavs game and the Pelicans game, but. I don't think anyone really wants to hear about that. I think everyone sort of compartmentalizes these things and, and you know, either moves on or holds on to things uh, or however it may be that you cope with things. And this is not a fan therapy podcast in this particular case. So we're not going to touch too much on that. Kangu NBA on Twitter, who's a great follow, by the way, wrote, Celtics are really just losing because they need Marcus Smart and one more reliable veteran on the wing. They just have to stick with it. There's really good basketball in there somewhere. And Reddit user lilg88 wrote, "I think Marcus Smart and Romeo Langford will give this team a bigger boost than most expect." I've been seeing a lot of this on on Twitter and Celtics Reddit recently. I feel like a lot of people are starting to overhype Romeo Langford, who's someone that, if you think about it, we haven't seen a lot of throughout his short career so far, and they're kind of building him up as this savior. And when he, when he eventually comes back, you know, suddenly the team is in better stead. Do you guys feel that way at all, or are you are you on team Romeo is going to come back and save our season, Jackson? You know, honestly, sorry, I just
1: wanted to say that yeah. I just wanted to say that honestly, uh, I keep legitimately forgetting he's a, he's a person that exists. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like every it's the weirdest thing. Like I, this whole conversation leading up to this, thinking about what we could do for our roster, he never crossed my mind at all. And then you bring him up and like, oh yeah, Romeo, he could be good. It's like almost like that uh, that Doctor Who villain where if you like. If you're not like directly looking at him, you forget about him. Like I totally, <laughs> I totally just keep forgetting that Romeo is a, is a person. But yeah, yeah. hopefully he can yeah. step in and, and be someone.
2: Yeah, I, I think I think that's probably mostly over the fact that he, you know, was mostly anonymous last season. Sadly, you know, we all saw flashes of it. I think because you know. He- your your senses are heightened when you've got guys on there that you want to do well. And, you know, after a little while, if they've been up producing that, then all of a sudden they're trash and you want to, you never want to see him again, you know, see Carson Edwards for example. But, you know, I I think he could be still a bit of an X factor for sure. Um, You know, like it's the 14th pick. So he's got to have, you know, some level of competency to him. And, you know, that's what this team, you know, needs at, at, at the moment. So again, I think it's unfair to put the expectation on him because A, he's barely played at all. And B, he's coming off an injury. You know, look what happened when, you know, former Oscar star Kimball Walker comes off an injury, like is Romeo Langford going to, you know, just wow us immediately. No. So I want to exercise a bit of caution with that one, but, um, no, I think, um, I'm prepared to back him. I'm prepared to believe in him. So if he comes back and he has any kind of positive contribution, that's going to be a major, major bonus.
0: So big Sham, Sham wow today. Sham Sharania tweeted that the 2021 NBA All-Star Reserves in the East are James Harden, Julius Randle, Zach Levine, Ben Simmons, Nikola Vucevic, and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, which is amazing, particularly Jalen Brown making his first All-Star game. Jackson, is this all unfolding as you foresaw? Did you uh, predict the Jays, both of them, Tatum and Brown, to become all stars? And and how do you feel as a result?
2: Yeah, I'm stoked. I'm absolutely stoked. You know, particularly for Jalen Brown, but you know Tatum as well. Obviously, um, Jalen's completely earned it. You know, I think it was a four, it, was, it was a it wasn't quite all-star level last year, but this year he, he definitely has been, you know, the, the leap is, is evident. And, you know, he's, you know, it was Tatum one and Brown two. Now I'd say it's probably, this might be a little bit, you know, of an overstatement, but like I'd say it's probably more like, you know, Tatum one, a Jalen one b almost. So um the fact that he made the game, I mean, it is going to be in front of like, you know, nobody and it's going to be this like, there's already this stink about all-star weekend It's like, do we really need this? Should it really be happening and whatnot? So it's tainted from that respect. But I mean, for the guy personally, you know, it's a huge achievement. He's, he's hundred percent earned it. Um, and to be, yeah, I I think we had, we had two all-stars last year in Kemba and um, Tatum. So, um, did was Kemba last year? He was, yeah. I got very confused for a second. Um, so yeah, to have to be well represented again is is nice, but, um, uh, yeah, I'm just stoked for Jalen Brown more, more so than, than any others.
0: Yeah, youngest all-star duo for the Celtics since Bob Cousy and Ed McCauley in 1952 or 1953, which is insane. Yeah, uh, was- a Reddit user, the Turtle One, wrote, "Whenever I see our record, I just remember that we have two young superstars in the making, and it's all good." La Bert, I know you sort of err on the side of optimism. Does this does this help? Does this help you sort of digest this season at all?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, that, that, I mean, we said it before, but <laughs> the the hardest part of building a team is getting two two all stars or multiple all stars. Yeah. even harder to get them when they're they're young. And obviously, these guys are very young with a, many years ahead of them if they stay healthy. So I feel like we got that huge checkmark. Boom, we got that done. So <laughs> it's just you know it's just filling the roster around them. So Yeah, it's great. I mean, those guys have been awesome. They're uh, i guess probably the they both kind of roughly paid to play the same position but it's like the most important position in the nba so mm-hmm. yeah we have uh, an embarrassment of riches as far as our core top level talent then it's just <laughs> getting some role players around them i wanted just quickly because as you were listing off the all-star reserves i actually hadn't looked at the whole list you mentioned julius Randle first and that one just kind of made me a little bit uh, I don't know. A little annoyed because, like, in the off season. In the off season, I had I had proposed yeah. some trades, and I, like one of them was trading Kemba to New York for their cap space and a pick. And people were like, "No way! Would I give up Kemba for cap space?" And then another later on in the season, uh, I said, "Could you potentially trade Kemba to New York for assets that could be rerouted to Houston?" as far as a james harden trade and i had listed off a few names and one of the guys i listed was julius randall and one of the comments i got back was he listed off everyone other than julius randall and was like yeah i mean this garbage return and i said well he, what about julius randall isn't that like at least a Lisa piece and he's like no he's garbage he's completely worthless and now he's an yeah. so it's a little annoying it's just quickly just like how quickly yeah, how quickly we can change our opinions and now it's like Literally, it was like two months ago where someone looked at my trade proposal and just didn't even feel like it was worth acknowledging Julius Randle. And now here we are and they're like, get rid of Kemba for nothing. And Julius Randle's an all-star and the Knicks are like a half game behind us. Very annoying.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. It's amazing what half a season will do, particularly in these weird COVID times. But uh, yeah, I mean, shouts to Julius Randle, right? Like, dude is balling. I think he gets a bit of a bump there because he plays for the Knicks and the league in general are like, finally, a good Nick someone that we can put in the all-star game who belongs to one of our biggest all-time franchises. Um, but yeah, would surely be fucking pretty nice to have Julius Randall on this team at this point in time. Uh, Jalen Brown. My, sorry, I was going to say
1: my buddy, uh, Scott Scott, who I've, I did podcasts with before. Uh, he, he, this has been a running narrative of him because he's a little less high on Marcus Smart. He's always, he's always complaining about how he passed up Marcus Smart. For Julius Randle, or we passed up Julius Randle for Marcus Smart. We took Smart one pick ahead of him. So this has been a field day, you know, he's having a Mm -hmm. grand old time right now saying, See, I told you Smart can't even play. (laughs) I love Smart. I love Smart. It's just the Julius Randle thing has been a little annoying to me.
0: Yeah, and Scott (laughs) Scott, what we're not seeing there is the Marcus Smart show on the Knicks or equivalent, right? Who knows what Marcus (laughs) Smart will be doing on his own, healthy with his own franchise. So I don't know how much I believe in their take, but I'm going to stand by it. Uh, Yeah. So, I don't know. Not not much else to say there. You know, they're both all-stars. They both played well. They both deserve it. And really, it's a diamond in the rough as far as this season is concerned. Jalen Brown was asked about it after the game today against the Mavs. And he said, I don't feel very much like an all-star because we are below 500. Uh, He says he has to do a better job of inspiring his teammates and says that the team has to find ways to win. This is the latest in a season. Boston has been under 500 in six years, which is uh, (laughs) depressing. Anyway, we're going to take a very quick break and be back in a moment for the Reddit Recap. All right, welcome back. This is the Reddit Recap. And by the way, we are searching for theme music for the Reddit Recap, so... If you have suggestions, if you have a creative bone in your body, and you'd like to submit an idea or a piece of music to us to use as the Reddit Recap theme song, please do so. We'll consider it and use it if it's uh, if it's any good, and we'll give you a shout out on the next podcast. We're starting with a post from Reddit user F Shoemaker who wrote: "The Celtics have played over fourteen hundred minutes together this season. They have zero five-man lineups that have played one hundred minutes together." Hmm. Guys. I know we've talked we basically this whole podcast we've been sifting through, you know, the muck and trying to find reasons for optimism. I don't know, I feel like this is a, a pretty good you know, it's been, been a crazy season with COVID and I think a lot of teams are afflicted by this kind of thing, but I mean surely fans have to consider this particular insight when when sort of thinking about how to how to perceive this season. Am I wrong?
2: No, you're not wrong. I think the injury record probably is most in indicative of that. You know, we had a stretch where we didn't have Cambo. We had a stretch where we didn't have Tatum. We now in the stretch we don't have Smart. Uh, Brown was out for a few games too. So, so it's. Um you know, you expect to see, you know, players in there, you know, filling gaps and whatnot. So, I mean, if you want to look at it from a pessimistic perspective, it's like, oh, Brad Stevens doesn't have his lineups, you know, correctly. Like, you know, what's he doing? He's incompetent, blah, blah, blah. Or you could have a more sensible take. It's like, we haven't really had a chance to settle we haven't really you know we don't have that consistency and you know we're we're definitely looking we're definitely like experimenting and trying to find the, the right lineup and you would expect that um but i think i think it definitely once we you know have that, that lineup that becomes like the the closing lineup or the strongest lineup for certain situations then we'll start to see that even out i hope that's the case anyway too so you yeah, know i'm encouraged by the fact that it's you know it's not convenient but it, it's explainable or it's it, it, it's on paper. It makes a lot of sense why the struggles are there when you see stats like that.
0: Yeah. Bird, any thoughts? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me let me elaborate on this post a little bit. So F. Shoemaker goes on to say, our most used lineup is Smart, Brown, Tatum, Tice, Thompson, which has played 94 minutes and 31 seconds. Number two is Walker, Brown, Tatum, Tice, Thompson, which has played only 65 minutes and 31 seconds. No other lineup has more than 30 minutes on the court. Uh, Which is insane. They say, for context, nine out of the ten top teams in the league have at least one lineup with over 100 minutes. Brooklyn is the other for obvious reasons because of the midseason trade. Uh, Most have more than one, and most starting lineups are way, way over 100 minutes. So I don't know. It's kind of a relief, I think, to to read this post. This is four hours ago, as of recording this podcast. Just like, okay, all right, like you know, there's room for improvement. There are clear reasons as to why we're not great i don't know maybe things aren't so bad should we move on anything to add to that post yeah
1: no i agree i think by the end of the season uh and again as we've been saying all these same things but by the end of the season if we find a core nine and stick with them we'll build some chemistry people get in a rhythm it it can be uh it can be completely completely different than it is right now but just looking at that right now it gives you some insight to to why we might have been struggling a bit
0: yeah, it was a timely, timely post by that user. <coughs> Moving on to another post by user Leroy Browntown. They write, Posted this in another thread. Feel it should be said in regards to the Trader player exception. They go on to say, We need to understand that Denny and the Seas can do more with the TPE in the off season, knowing this and seeing that this team is in no way competing this year against some of the current teams in the league, blah, 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 blah. It's so a question to you guys. Do you still feel like the TPE should be used this season or do you think it could be better used in the off season? And if so, what kind of moves do you envision in the off season using the TPE?
2: Um, as far as like off season moves are concerned, I, I really wouldn't have a clue to be perfectly honest, but I mean, I'm torn between, you know, two <laughs> honest, on there's good. one that's, yeah, there's, there's one, there's one that's, there's one that's like, let's ha- have a swing. Let's try and like, you know, get somebody that's going to make an impact down. Let's start like building on that for next year. But I mean, if you like really zoom out and see bigger, pe- the, the bigger picture, like I reckon it doesn't matter really who we get now. We're not getting past Brooke. like not really. So, and then, you know, even if, we don't fall, even if we like, you know, get them in the finals, then you probably have to go past Philly. And I don't think we're getting past Philly either. So I think there needs to be an acceptance of we are who we are. Obviously, we need to get better. We still need to be competitive. I don't want to face a fucking play in game against like the Hornets and lose to a Gordon Hayward putback or anything. You know, that's something I could do without. <laughs> so I want to be better now, absolutely. But as far as Fuck that. Know, I, I think this is probably sorry, Danny, yeah. <laughs> Danny, <laughs> oh is. <laughs> Yeah, no, sorry for putting, that, for putting that thought in your head.
0: Um, I'm never going to be able to get that out of my mind. I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm playing right, sorry in basketball
2: you. would be pretty fun. Let, <laughs> let's face it. We'll be up against the Hawks and the Knicks and the Wizards, and the Hornets, shit. Um, no, so <laughs> I, I want it to be used on the right person. If that right person isn't available now, so be it. You know, I think most people would 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 ride if we didn't do something to shake up the roster now. But I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's got to be used on, on on the right person and whoever that ends up being. I don't know. I think it's
1: hard to say who will be available after um, in the off season, but because of the timing of everything with the shortened season, I think we're able to use it. Um, I'm pretty sure we're able to use it during the trade deadline. Uh, sorry, during the draft, and we're able to use it in the first part of free agency. So mm-hmm. it opens up a whole bunch of possibilities that we can probably talk about at that point in the in the podcast but in the short term i mean there there's still options um Reddit user prestige worldwide pointed out i hadn't realized this but the kings had lost 7 in a row it's now 8 in a row the kings have lost fallen way out of the playoff picture for now and so they might be looking to finally move harrison barnes which is you know yes. one of everyone's mm. favorite talents here and um and supposedly he's looked at the King's subreddit. I haven't haven't checked it myself, but a lot of them were interested in uh Aaron e. Smith So I mean we've been mm. kinda showcasing Aaron E-Smith. Is that something we wanna do? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. So I mean there's gonna be opportunities with TPE and even without the TPE, uh, we were talking about this on our thread. You know, you can put together a pretty sizable chunk of salary by including Tristan Thompson with players. Like you could include Thompson with Tice, you could take back like Fifteen, eighteen million dollars, or I mean, you could go as far as to include, is not you know, brace yourself, but you could include Marcus Smart and so, Tristan Thompson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you could take back, you could take back guys that are making like well into like the mid twenties without even touching the TBE. So if there's a guy, um, you know, there was a rumor supposedly that the the Mavericks were entertaining the idea of trading Porzingis, who yeah. is obviously a massive mm. massive injury concern. But that was one of my first posts. Was asking, you know, maybe would you be open to trading Kemba for him? Would you be open to trading a package around Smart and Thompson? Could we intrigue them with that? I mean, there's so many things that Ainge could do, and hopefully, he finally does something because it clearly does seem like we do we need to do something. <laughs>
0: Yeah, kind of like thank God for the TPE, right? Because what would we be talking about if we (laughs) didn't have that potential looming? Like there's so many spicy options and it's a little bit, it's almost like NBA 2K where like there's so many trade options available, there's so many possibilities and we talk about it every week and I don't think that that's a problem, like I don't think that it's boring to repeatedly talk about the various option options available to us. And, you know, as these trade rumors start to emerge, you mentioned Chris Stapps, Porzingis is the latest one, that we can do this deep dive into, like, you know, whether or not we'd want them on this team, who would we be willing to give up for them, and cap space is, like, never an issue because we've got this 28.5 mil cushion. Obviously, there's a, a hard cap problem there, but we've got some bigger salary like Smart, like Tristan Thompson to include to avoid those issues. I don't know. I guess I'm very thankful for the TPE. Obviously, you know, unlike Gordon Hayward, TPE is not putting up stats. You know, the the win shares, the defensive win shares are are not you know apparent for for the TPE, but they're still providing content and entertainment for us. So, let's pause Volpe's for a moment better, and appreciate ben, the TPE. Better
2: Volk than <laughs> Jeff Teague, put it that way. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's there's one point I think that's that's worth uh, worth mentioning, Ben, which is that if you are thinking about the off season. So my understanding is that you normally have a year to use the TPE. I don't know if that's changed because of the lockout short or the mm-hmm. COVID shortened season. That was something that like danger cart kind of touched on in a previous podcast where there's kind of these cryptic rules around the timing of things. But my understanding is that we have until, I think we made that trade in November, uh, late November, November 29th, where we actually moved Hayward. So I think we have until November 29th, 2021, which would be, like past the point of free agency so what's interesting is that like if someone like the Derozan, rosen who's in the final year of his contract or even someone like lamarca chaldridge or any of these guys who are actually free agents i think you could potentially work out a, a sign and trade and utilize a tpe to absorb that salary so that opens you up to like, mm-hmm. being able to basically offer the money that we d- didn't give to hayward to any free agents coming up here so that's that's kind of an interesting thing that I don't think really anyone's really touched touched on too much, but um, that's the kind of flexibility that maybe it makes sense to wait so that you can actually really choose who you want to go after.
0: Yeah, and you know, this season is a weird one and I think it feels like there's some urgency to make a move now, but in you know, two to five years time we might look back in hindsight and think it was it made sense for Ange and Co. to wait until there was more stable ground to make a move when we could sort have of had a better idea of, of you know, uh what the the playing field would look like and whether we'd have crowds in our arena in TD Garden and, and and things like that like maybe eventually it will make sense for Ainge to have waited i think at this point though fans are just champing at the bit for for anything to be done to to give us a better you know a better chance of winning uh let's move on though and thank you to Leroy Browntown for for bringing out you know more TPE content we obviously can't get enough of it here um, this is by a user he called game and they write about the curse of IT. It's it's a post titled, The Curse of IT, A Short Retrospective. And in summary, I'm, it's a very long post and I highly recommend going to read it. I'm actually going to link it in the show notes for this podcast because it's a very well written, very well thought out post. They go on to say, the Celtics have been ass ever since Brad Stevens. The Celtics had been this scrappy underdog team who constantly overachieved, but at a certain point, they became the opposite. Front-running perennial disappointments. From chemistry to kinked up. From doggedness to lackadaisical insipidness. This is the curse of IT. If you trace it all back, this run of insidious bad luck starts the summer when we traded for IT. Now, I'm going to summarize the key points of this post here because it is quite long, but it's a very good and very entertaining read. So please don't take my summary for it. Go and read the post. they go going to write, The IT trade in the summer of 2017, it was the right move, but the optics were... Terrible. The curse of IT then starts out with a bang. The very first five minutes of the very first game of the 2017-2018 season, marquee free agent signing Gordon Hayward suffers a gruesome ankle injury. Truly, it was an omen of what was to come. Kyrie gets injured, but the young Celtics with Rozier, Smart, Brown, and Tatum make it to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bronze Cavs. But alas, it was all but the cruelties of promise. This marked the last game that the Celtics would play inspired basketball. The curse of IT is poetic like that. The 18-19 season is marred with dysfunction. There's no chemistry. Kyrie thinks the earth is flat and butchers the usage of words and common expressions. Haywood is back, but not really. He won't be back back, he won't be back back until the year 2021 on a $120 million contract with the Charlotte Hornets. Rogier and Morris and everyone else wants theirs, and frustration abounds. The Celtics flop hard, losing 4-1 in the second round to the Bucs. That team was stacked. What a shame. The next season, Kyrie Irving leaves, good fucking riddance. Horford leaves, Morris leaves, and we outsmart ourselves, sniffing out Matisse-Thibault from Philly with the 20th pick, but promptly trade him for Carson Edwards and the 24th pick, which we use to dump Baines, which sucks fucking balls, Mm -hmm. on five hole levels. Number one, we trade defensive savant Matisse-Thibault. Number two, we draft Carson, sorry, not Eddie House Edwards. Number three, we lose a solid-ass player in Aaron Baines. Number four, the Baines salary dump allows us to get Kemba, who is, while not in the beginning of the end, a crucial catalyst to propel us uh, to that end. And number five, having the option of getting Kemba allows us to let go of Rogier, who is now a certified killer with the Hornets. The 1920 season, things are seemingly looking better, but the curse of IT is low-key like that. Haywood is so close to being back, but at any time he gets uh, close to being back, he gets re-injured. Tatum's an all-star. Jalen just misses out. Smart is all defense. The team is close, but they never quite get there. They never hit that stride. Kemba gets a four-month rest for his knee when COVID hits, but he was never right in the bubble. He never quite got back to his, his prior bubble level. Hayward gets injured again. The Celtics beat a dysfunctional Philly team. Uh, and an annoying Raptors team in the playoffs They then get manhandled by Bam Adebayo And torched by Duncan Robertson and Tyler Hero To lose dismally 4-2 to two. It's not merely losing this series It's the way they lost Some 4-0s feel like 4-2s and, and some 4-2s feel like 4-0s This was that case The one player I was proud of This user goes on to say In that series was Brad Wanamaker Who is now gone but if Brad Wanamaker is the brightest point of that series, you know the curse of IT is going strong. Here we are now, almost halfway through the 2021 season, and the dysfunction has peaked. Now, I'm going to stop here because we're all too aware of the dysfunction of this season, so I'm not going to recount what this user has gone on to say there. But user He Called Game ends with maybe the mix is just wrong. Then that's on Ainge. You know what else is on age? Trading motherfucking Isaiah Thomas. Karma is real and as cold as what wrought it. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the cure is. How can we reverse the curse? Um, I think we've all talked about, that's the end of that post and that's a a, a bad summary of it. So I highly recommend going to read it. Um, But we have talked about this and I know Joe has talked about this a lot on the podcast as well, that the curse of IT does seem like a turning point when you think of all of the bad fortune that has come since that trade. So, assuming you guys believe in that as well, how do you feel that we can repent for the curse of it, La Bird? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> Jesus. Okay, um, go.
1: Well, yeah, it, it was it was a it was a bad look. Uh, I, it, it, I didn't wasn't happy with it. I've shared this on on uh, on Reddit, and I'm not I'm not totally comfortable with it. But in the off season. <laughs> an off season following uh the trade and we had signed uh gordon hayward i had actually (laughs) this is october october 12th 2017 it's before the season started and i had messaged scott scott i've shared screen captures of this i love this i said to him (laughs) i said man has there ever been a more devastating free agent signing than Grant Hill to the Magic? Dude was way better than Grant, Hay- way better than Gordon Hayward. Plays four games his first year, then fourteen, then twenty-nine, then zero. How bummed would you be if that's how many games Hayward played here? And then, like a week later, Hayward has a yeah. I, I, just to add to that, like in <laughs> August, prior to that, I had said to him, "Man, I said, what would be worse? A season-ending Kyrie." or injury or a season ending Tatum injury on opening night. So I it was already in the back of my mind that we were <laughs> fucked and that we were gonna be cursed. And then the Grant Hill uh the Gordon Hayward one actually ends up happening like a week later. Um yeah. so as far as the curse goes, I feel like we played our fucking dues, man. We fucking had right? we've had yes. the last three seasons of missing Gordon Hayward. It's been it was devastating. All the shit that happened with you know Kyrie and everything. We paid our dues. The basketball gods they they appropriately smote us or smited us. I'm not sure the <laughs> the past tense of smite, but we paid our dues, and I think it's time that they give us a little love. So, um, yeah, I'm 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 out on the Isaiah curse. Love Isaiah. Met him in person once. Got his autograph. Great dude. Lives out here in in Seattle. Uh, yeah, you know it's it's time to move on. Let's let's have some some basketball love again. Let's say. No, let's also point out this is the franchise that had Len Bias die and Reggie Reggie Lewis die. Mm-hmm. We paid our dues for many, 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 many years. It's time for us to have a little bit of positivity here, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: Jackson. I, uh, what do you think? I think. I think. Well, I don't know if we would have compounded the curse, but let's just say we traded Jalen Brown and a bunch of others for for James Harden, and then he comes in and we we start looking more like you know Brooklyn Netsu now too. Like, would that where? I don't think people would be saying that that would be a bad move. It resulted in more winning, which it most definitely would have. But, um, it's, 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 it's (laughs) when you put, when you, when you put it in perspective, it's, it, it does. It come it does get a little bit eerie, but yeah, I, I mean that 17-18 season, particularly the playoff run. I know we I know we lost Hayward and I know Kyrie was injured as well, too. But you know, I the, my most fondest memory of my short-lived Celtics fandom was that was those playoffs, was that playoff run. And yeah, it was a tease and everything like that. You know, you could add to that too. But you know, it would have been more indicative if if we just sucked flat out and we just missed the playoffs like every single year since. So I think it's a it, it's a bit cherry picky-ish when it comes to that because you know the the last three year. I mean, that one Kyrie season again. The second one, that has been brought up again. You know, I've, I've I've loved supporting the Celtics. You know, it's been it's been great. And I think if we had maxed it or if we had not made that trade, then you know. <laughs> who knows how it would have turned out too. But like, you know, it was like, oh man, you could have had Kyrie Irving instead, you know, you just kept like, you know, broken ass Isaiah Thomas, you know, it it was, it was was the right possible move to make. But, you know, as far as fixing is concerned, I don't know, maybe Taco Fall can fucking, you know, summon some, some, some demon (laughs) with this big, you know, like, you know, ritualistic, you know, effigy burning (laughs) on whenever the TD, whenever the TD garden opens back up. I don't know. I'm open to trying whatever it is, but I mean, um, Yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure (laughs) what to say about the
0: curse. I think we've got time for one more. This is by user JackJ98, and it's a tweet by Sham Sharania. The Houston Rockets are releasing DeMarcus Cousins, sources tell The Athletic. And the reason that this is worth bringing up is because there are quite a number of Celtics fans who think that the Celtics are a chance for signing DeMarcus Cousins. La Bird, do you think, there's any impact for DeMarcus Cousins on the Seas? Do you think he has any desire to play for the Celtics? What What are your thoughts on this? Well, he's been pretty bad, uh, but
1: his yeah. like ra- la- his last his last game, <laughs> he actually was pretty good. So, you know, maybe he's in that that Kemba Walker bucket where he's working himself back into shape after missing a pretty significant chunk of time. You know what the most interesting thing to me about the uh the Cousins thing is the main reason why most people didn't want him. Uh well, a lot of people wanted him when he was actually good, but a lot of people didn't, and the main reason was is because they saw him as this huge um just a huge like head case like lock, locker room cancer I thought it was interesting going to the the Rockets uh, subreddit and seeing their reaction to this news because it was pretty much unanimously what the fuck he's like a, he's a great locker room guy he's a great locker room guy he's a great veteran great locker room guy it was like one after another of people saying how great he was as a locker room guy and has been like a mature adult over there so much so that I actually like commented I'm like are you guys like being ironic and they're like no he's been awesome here so I don't know. Maybe he's actually a, maybe he's actually a perfect example of a of a, a low low risk, high reward guy that you could bring in. Um, maybe after you move someone like Thompson for a wing, right? So maybe if you use Thompson and stuff to bring in Harrison Barnes, and then maybe you bring in Cousins to be our our third big. I wouldn't hate it.
2: Yeah, I'm not against it either. Yeah. It's 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 intriguing. Um, you know, you, you want him to be the guy that he was in Sacramento, unless uh, so much the guys in the last few years. But I mean, shit. I mean, I think it's if it's if it's a low risk thing. I mean, why not? You
0: know, I don't know. I, I'm against it personally. I just don't see him <laughs> impacting the team in a positive way. You know, we've got our three man big lineup, and I think they all have clear roles like there's a reason to start any one of those three with the exception of Rob Williams and the Celtics have made it pretty clear that that's you know for health related reasons that they're sort of dialing back his minutes or managing his minutes a little bit I think they all have a a pretty good role on the team and, and introducing DeMarcus Cousins to that I don't know. I think that just makes things more confusing for all of the players on the Celtics, and I think it's clear a lot of them are are not quite comfortable in their roles. Otherwise, we'd be winning more games. And the introduction of Demarcus Cousins to that, you know, despite his prior successes, I just don't, I don't see the positive side of that. Well,
1: I, I wouldn't do it unless we were unless we made a move that included either Tice or Thompson. And yeah, if we need sure. If one of those guys for wing help, then I could see bringing in someone to fill out our depth. And I wouldn't like. That doesn't mean I'd start Cousins. I would see it as this is a promotion for for Time Lord to get more minutes mm-hmm. as our backup big to whoever remains between Tyson Thompson, and then yep. you have Cousins as kind of uh, spot minutes. But over the course of the season, he could get healthy, and then that could be a, you could pay huge dividends. And if it's if it's you know people need to remember we're not talking about trading the farm for Cousins. We're talking about signing him to like a minimum contract. Mm-hmm and then if it doesn't work out you just cut them. like you give them like a a non-guarantee contract so in that standpoint yes i wouldn't necessarily bring him in to be our, our fourth big that wouldn't make a lot of sense but um a big picture type move maybe maybe that's a good follow-up move Hmm
0: interesting times look that is going to do it for this one thank you so much for listening thank you for tuning in the celts are back on the court tomorrow today probably by the time you're listening to this for another emotional roller coaster against the hawks we will be back sometime in the next week i know it's cliche but please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and give us ratings and reviews and all of those little things that help us stand out from the the crowd of other celtics podcasts jackson larbird 33 love your work guys thanks again likewise buddy thank you Thanks a lot. All right. Until next time, go Celtics. Peace.